0: I'm Gwyneth Peltrow, and you're listening to the Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at Bolthouse Farms Plant Protein
1: Milk. Hi, guys, it's Elise Lunan, Goop's Chief Content Officer. Every Thursday on the Goop Podcast, GP or I sit down with provocative thinkers, industry disruptors, and culture changers. We talk about shifting old paradigms and starting new conversations. Today, we have a special Monday episode that we're really excited to share with you. It's actually two episodes, really, featuring two different conversations that GP had recently with two extraordinary women. Both of these talks happen live at our wellness summit in Goop Health, which we just hosted in Los Angeles. In Health is designed to be a transformative experience based on the premise that slight shifts and small changes can add up to big things. And I think GP and our two guests today do a pretty brilliant job of bringing that idea to life. In this conversation, GP chats with intimacy teacher Michaela Bohm. If you've read Goop's new book, The Sex Issue, you might recognize Michaela. Her chat with GP is all about tantra and polarity and redefining feminism in modern relationships. Michaela offers simple steps that anyone can take to increase desire and deepen connection in a relationship. Beginning tonight. Before we get to Michaela, GP is going to tell us a bit about one of our partners.
0: There's an ongoing movement toward living a more plant-based lifestyle, which is something we spoke about at our wellness summit in Goop Health. I was really excited to learn that Bolt House Farms has a non-dairy plant protein milk. It's made with protein from peas. It's creamy and delicious and perfect for smoothies, coffees, and even baking. Plus, it is 10 grams of pea protein in every 8-ounce serving. It's also fortified with B12, a vital nutrient that a lot of vegans and vegetarians in particular are looking to add into their diets. For more information and for store locations for Bolthouse Farms plant protein milk, visit bolthouse.com.
1: Now let's get to GP and Michaela Bohm.
0: It is a real pleasure for me to introduce Michaela Baum. She's one of my amazing teachers. And mm. what, what is your title exactly? Oh,
2: God, I don't really have Like, how have do a we title? describe you? I'm a sex and intimacy expert.
0: We all could use some help <laughs> with that, I'm sure.
2: Amongst other things. Amongst other yes. things.
0: She has a new bu- book coming out. It'll be out in August. It's called The Wild Woman's Way. Unlock your full potential for pleasure, power, and fulfillment. <laughs> um, so you also are a Tantra teacher. Yes. So what? what it, can you describe Tantra? Can you explain <laughs> to us what it is?
2: Yes. We should probably start by what it is not. Okay. Right? It is not pretzel-like sex. <laughs> 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 um, that comes way later in the game. Okay. Um, no, what it is, and or the way I describe it, different people have different explanations, and there's different traditions. There's Buddhist traditions and Hindu traditions, and then there's Neo Tantra, of course. So how I describe it is a full engagement with life through the body. Right. And what that means is, of course. All that the body does including sex and in the tantric tradition sex is usually used as a means or a, um, a vehicle of exploration of the intimacy with life because as anybody who's ever been in a relationship knows nothing gets you to the ground faster than in a relationship right that's where the rubber meets the road anybody can be um, expansive and loving in a cave but It's a very different story when you actually are in a relationship with another human. And the sexual aspect of tantra, which is um, usually quite elevated in the Western world, has to do with engaging consciously with the forces of the sexual thrust, so to speak, as a means of engaging with relationship and with life. So it's not sex per se, even though there's sexual aspects to it, it's um, the, the fullness of life expressed through the body, right. making the most ordinary things divine in a certain way.
0: And I'm going to get back to maybe some <laughs> tips on yes. how to do that in a minute. <laughs> um, I was speaking with a group of women yesterday And, you know, both yesterday and sort of in my larger group of women friends, especially those who've been in longer-term relationships, there's a very common theme, which is loss of interest of sex and then the power dynamic that that creates. But I think what I'm hearing more is almost a sadness from my friends that they've lost connection with their sexuality or lost interest in sex. And I was wondering, in your practice with your patients, how, how do you address that? And can, can you help with that? Yes.
2: <laughs> That's mostly what I do when I teach and also in private sessions. Not only, but um, there's two aspects to that. We as women have lost touch with our native pleasure, which is our birthright, really, right? Pleasure is our birthright, because through pleasure and through the engagement with the body, uh, we get to birth and ovulate and you know, um, feed our children from our body and create and have power and strength. And all of that happens down here. But this is not the area that's used when you're on social media, when you're on a computer, when you're doing things, when you're thinking, when you're talking. So all the energy has to squeeze up and out for us to get stuff done. And so, the, the native energy in the lower body and the, the, the feelings of pleasure and aliveness and power have subsided in the last, I want to say, 50, 60 years particularly. So, most women, they don't want to have sex anymore when they come home in the evening. Not because they don't want to have sex, but it's just so much work. How do you go from not feeling your body at all to multi-orgasmic pleasure? It's just that that's what I hear the most. And as you said, there's a real sadness about that, that constant on the hamster wheel, moving everything that needs to be moved. and. You know, the best we can do is some self-care, but and that is the the way to go. But it goes deeper than self-care because we have to reawaken our sensitivity and our pleasure. So that's one aspect of um, what I hear a lot. And then the other aspect is that the way relationships work these days, for the most part, people have this huge spike of sexual amazingness and. You get to know each other, it's incredible. And then you start moving in together maybe or spending a lot of time together and over time the sexual excitement, the sexual polarity, the attraction fizzles. And people have really lovely relationships and they cuddle and they hold hands but they're no longer having sex. Mm -hmm. And there is a very crucial moment because that's not a sign of a bad relationship. Right. That's really, really important to understand because relationship is built on sameness. And so the more you have in common, including common values, children, a business, common residence, money, and the more you can work that out, the better your relationship. But sexual attraction, or in the lineage of Tantra, I was educated in, it's called erotic friction which is a really good term. So erotic friction functions on the opposite terms. The more difference, the stronger
0: the sexual attraction. So how, <laughs> does, how does a couple cultivate that then? Say somebody, a woman comes home from work and she deals with the kids and the homework and cooking dinner and getting them to bed, Yes. and sh- she gets into bed with her husband and the last thing she wants to do, is to to be, is to have sex. That's right. So, (laughs) how, what should she, what can we do? Like, help us help him.
2: (laughs) It's a bit counterintuitive because when you go, when you think your relationship's broken and you go to a relationship counselor, they'll say, spend more time together. And that's the worst thing you can do for sexual attraction. So how you help him is get him out of the way. And what I mean by that is spend time apart. So when the kids are in bed, when everything's done, the key is to remove the sameness. And here's the good news. There is good news. It's much easier to create a spark than it is to find somebody with whom you have a lot in common. So it's much much better to have someone with whom you have those shared values and work on the relationship and learn how to create sexual spark than the other way around. Right. We all know those people who have unbelievable fights and great makeup sex, even 10 years into the relationship, right? Right. But that's much harder on the system. So the principles to making the spark reappear are spending time apart from each other. That's number one. Not a lot, but even 15, 20 minutes. One person goes, takes a bath, the other person goes and... I don't know, sits around and has a drink or something like that. Not, ideally not be on the computer or social media because that's a rabbit hole, but spending time apart and then when two people come together, and this is is the same for gay or straight couples, makes no difference, it's the pulling apart so that when the coming back together happens, it's conscious. Mm. And then making an effort to not distract. Uh, That's when the building of the intimacy comes in. But first comes the pulling apart. Other things that are pretty self-explanatory but we forget to do is have different interests. Spend time with friends of the same sex um, that are not talking about the kids or the bills. And first and foremost, don't bring your business into the bedroom, right? No talking about bills, no talking about the kids, no talking about who picks up the dog from daycare tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a discipline of uh, not messing um, the intimacy up with the daily life. And that's the first step and that everybody can do. It's like you remove the social media, you spend time apart. Ideally, you make that a a weekly habit that you spend time apart. So when you come back together, you have something to talk about that's not the usual stuff. And then
0: you consciously enter. And then what about the physical part of it? Because Michaela once gave me an incredible (laughs) lesson about... The, and we're just going to briefly talk about a, a, a couple, a woman, woman and a man, and a couple. And mm-hmm. then I want to ask you about same-sex couples. Yeah. But you you explained the concept of polarity. Yes. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what that means, and then I have a couple follow-up yes. questions about it. <laughs>
2: okay. Good. So. There's some terms that float around in kind of modern pop culture that are very confusing. And those terms are masculine and feminine. The way they're used in Tantra is not to describe men and women. And that's super, super important. Because when you conflate that, horrible gender wars occur. So each human being has an internal masculine and an internal feminine. The internal masculine all got us here on time. Right. Right? The internal feminine all allows us to enjoy the tastes and the smells and the different offerings and the variety of things. So the f- internal feminine is the flow of life, the internal masculine is the direction of life, the purpose, the plans. And we have both. When one of them is disowned in a person, it makes it toxic. We hear about toxic masculinity, well, it's only toxic because the feminine in that person isn't owned. But there's also toxic feminine where it's just crazy chaos because the internal masculine isn't owned. So, ideally, each human cultivates both and is good at both. But, within us, we have a preference when it comes to sex. And sex includes intercourse, but it also just includes whom we're attracted to, the play, that juicy kind of, you know, sensation. And that sexual preference is either towards being the one who surrenders and is being taken or towards being the one who takes, who penetrates, who makes the thing happen. Irrespective of gender. Irrespective of gender. You find that in same-sex couples as well as in... And sometimes it's the woman who likes to be the, the, so to speak, penetrator. Not necessarily sexually, but this is where it's going. The initiative, the plan. And, you know, sometimes there's men who want to just surrender. Or the other way around. So somewhere you find yourself. And then the key is that the other
1: person likes the other thing. We'll have more GP's conversation with Michaela Boehm in a minute. In the meantime, let's talk about one of our partners.
0: When I wrote my cookbook, It's All Good, in 2012, people were shocked at the theory that many of us might not be able to tolerate gluten and dairy, a theory first proposed to me by a pediatrician in London. But in the last several years, this idea has turned a lot more mainstream, There are so many great alternatives available now for people who feel better after eliminating dairy from their diet. One that I'm very excited about in particular is the non-dairy Bolthouse Farms plant protein milk. It's made with protein from peas, but besides the fact that it's vegan and non-GMO, it has 10 grams of pea protein per 8-ounce serving to be exact. It's also fortified with B12, a vital nutrient that a lot of vegans and vegetarians are looking to add into their diets. We used it in a really delicious blueberry chia bowl that we ate at In Goop Health. For more information and for store locations for Bolthouse Farms plant protein milk, visit bolthouse.com.
1: Okay, let's get back to GP and Michaela. So
2: if you like to let it all go in the in the sexual occasion that includes the date and the food and the enjoyment of life, you need to be with somebody who likes to direct it. Mm-hmm. And that's what creates the attraction, the polarity. So when two people just want to play and flow, it's not very sexy. When both people want to lead, it leads to very strong conflict. And so for the sake of the sexual occasion, You can train your body to be able to just lean back and relax, or you can train your body to be the one who takes the initiative. The issue is that most women spend their whole day training their body to go. Especially now. Especially now. So we do go, 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 and our body has the muscle, the psycho-emotional muscle of go. Then we want to flow... We have weak muscles. We don't know how to do it. So feminine uh, tantric practices, so to speak, all have to do with creating flow in the body, while masculine tantric practices all have to do with being able to give good structure and direction. And so when you know which one you want to play and you have somebody who wants to play the other one, then you can willingly pick up that part that you want to play, meaning one takes the flow, one takes the mm-hmm. go, and that makes for really hot sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, does because we're women, does it mean that before we choose sort of which role, we have to be very connected to that feminine energy, like the flow within? So does the do energy come from that? Like if you're the... If
2: you're the flower, so to speak, in most women, not all women, but most women that I've ever worked with, including myself, I just want to lay it down ever so often, (laughs) right? And not have to be the one initiating and doing it and knowing exactly. You want to get mindless ever so often. But of course, when all you do all day is control your environment, mindlessness is not the first thing that appears. You know. So,
0: are there things that we can do to yes. take us from doing into yes. that other energy? Lots of things, and most of them are very, very
2: simple. Okay, number tell us one that. move your body. Move your body in a non linear way. Put on a song, just you know, one song and move your body, not in a dance way necessarily, but in the way that the body you know, wants to move. Like it might look really weird, but just allow the body to move. And, and what does the, that do? That brings you back into your feeling body and the, a woman's feeling body has an incredible genius to it. It will come online and stuff starts flowing. Mm-hmm. And also if you have any stuckness from trauma or a tough day um, or old trauma, the movement of the body unravels the frozenness because mm-hmm. freeze is a big thing in women, right, which is so still because that's, that's a stress response. So when you start moving the body, the body comes online and then sensation comes online mm-hmm. and with sensation comes pleasure, but also with, with that sensation come all the negative stuff which is why some people don't like to do it. Right. And so how do you process through the negative stuff if it comes up? Um, you, you don't necessarily process, you just move it. So I call this practice moving what you're feeling. It's like the most fundamental practice. You pick one song, you stand or you can do it on your hands and knees, which is also really nice. And you just move the body with whatever you're feeling. And then you'll feel physical things and then emotions come up and you just continue moving. The key is to never stop moving. Mm -hmm. And then the stuff just washes out. (laughs) And then what is left after that, you know you can always address it with a therapist or write down or speak about it but first you allow the body to process it and that done on a daily basis is like flossing it's like emotional emotional sexual hygiene <laughs> and and yesterday I'm in the middle of teaching a workshop a woman said well why would i do self pleasure i don't feel like it and i mean I only like it when there's a man involved. And I, I told her that essentially she wouldn't say that about brushing her teeth. Right? Why do I have to brush my teeth? Nobody's around, right? <laughs> you you do certain things because they keep you empowered as a woman. Mm-hmm. And regular, non linear and that means not not yoga, not Pilates not unstructured unstructured just moving however you're feeling is kind of like it's like brushing the teeth You do it every day right after you get up or last thing before you go to bed and It regulates that Genius of the you know it it brings the genius of the body online that then can become flow and can become
0: sexual and can become pleasure Okay, so say say you do that, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you're getting in bed, and you've lost, you know, I was speaking with a good friend of mine who just feels like she's been married for a long, long time, and she just finds it so hard to get over that barrier, and sometimes she's just like, I'm just going to fake my way through this, and it was so heartbreaking for me to hear that, because I thought, well, that's such a disconnection from yourself. Yes. And so... If you do the daily, what you're describing, and then you're in that moment, are there tools from Tantra or other practices that you've learned that really help you kind of reconnect with your partner and create safety?
2: Yes, and a lot of Tantric practice has to do with first becoming intimate before you become sexual. So how do you do that? So intimacy, as, as um, I describe it, is being aware of what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. right? Intimate with your own body, then intimate with another, and then that creates the intimacy between two people. So once you know what you're feeling, the key is to not leave yourself behind. Right. That's the real key because often when two people lay in bed and you, like you said, they're just faking it, it's because they're leaving themselves behind. Right. So what you do is you create a structure outside the bedroom where basic um, intimacy is established. And one of the easiest ways to do that is, there's two easy ways, when both people are up for it. You sit, just like we're sitting here, from each other, and you make eye contact, and you keep eye contact. Not in the, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But you just keep eye contact, and as you keep eye contact, left eye is nicer than the right eye because it's more receptive. Um, so if you're ever in doubt, the left eye is across from your own right eye, that your partner's left eye. Thank you. And you just sit and you just look, exactly. <laughs> so your right, if you look out of your right eye across to your partner, that's their left eye. Okay. It's just a bit more receptive, they say. And you just keep the eye contact. And then as you do that, all kinds of stuff will show up. Like you can feel the shyness. The nervousness, the kind of a bit, oh, it's strange, then people start giggling or they start, the whole relationship dynamic comes alive in that eye contact. If you can stick with it, that all relaxes and suddenly you're on the same page. And I would not suggest ever having sex till you're on the same page. So that's number one. Number two, if you want to have it a little bit less artificial, you do big spoon, little spoon, <laughs> meaning you spoon, right? So your partner, if, it, if he's, he or she is taller than you, lays behind and you connect through the belly. And I know lots of people don't want anybody's hand on their belly, but it's a nice thing to connect to the belly and breathe together. Just breathe together and the act of breathing together and feeling the front surface against the back softens the body, the body starts resonating and then with that you have common feeling and now you're on the same page and then from there you engage in the go and flow but not before then because it's somewhat violent like you said. If, you're not, if you right. haven't arrived in the relationship
0: Shouldn't have sex. Right. No. Right. And what about one time you spoke about when women we have were breadwinners or were contributing equally and that sometimes that's challenging to the existing di- sexual dynamics. Yes. And you told a story about, you know, a man sort of holding like, holding the woman, and I wanted to just, before we finish, ask you about, about that, sort of that change in power dynamic, and is that, if, if a man is dominating a woman mm-hmm. to move something through, mm-hmm. how does that play into feminism? Ooh, <sighs> 30 in thirty-nine seconds, seconds. <laughs> you can go over a little because I really I want to understand
2: this. You know, this is such an important question because um, one of the things that has happened in that whole neo tantric scene is that somehow it's like the fifties all over. Men are these dominant, strong, you know, creatures who dominate the woman in the bedroom, and women are these little oh. You know, damsels in distress in the bedroom. And 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 then that gets translated into life. It's not about life. It's just about sex. So in real life, every human should bring to the relationship what they're best at. Like, for instance, in my relationship, I'm way better than making, my, uh, making money. I just am. I just, it, it, you know. My, my, but my husband's way better in the... In, in this follow-through, we're rebuilding the house, right? I, I lost my house in the in Thomas the fire. fire so we're rebuilding down. a house. He can spend all day reading permits, which I I, I go in completely insane immediately, right? <laughs> but I'm really good at managing money and making money and, and making decisions around money. So... Theoretically, that should completely ruin our relationship, but it doesn't, because we both bring the strength we have to the relationship, Mm -hmm. regardless of dogma. And there's no dominance or submission in our daily life. But sexually speaking, which is a completely different set of circumstances, in the bedroom, between two consenting assaults, uh, assaults. Assaults, see? <laughs> I'm in Freudian. the next sentence. There. I'm in the next sentence, right? <laughs> it's not assault when two people decide that they want to play in the more dominating and more surrendering aspects of sexuality. If there's relationship consent and both people enjoy it, it is weird when it happens outside the bedroom. Right. Right? Because we are empowered women. Right. In the 21st century, and I certainly am not asking for permission if I, I want to buy a pair of shoes. Right. You know, but in the bedroom... In the bedroom, I do not want to make any decisions. Interesting. I don't. And I I consider myself highly empowered. Right. Um, and hence my choice to have that dynamic in the bedroom, right? Right. And. I don't want uh, equality in the bedroom. It's boring, <laughs> right? But I do want equality in my life. Right. And I work very hard on having equality right. in my life. Um, but the choice of sexual engagement should be up to each woman individually and it shouldn't have to right. do with their life. So it's empowerment everywhere, including to be empowered, to be
0: submissive. Right. I love <laughs> that. I could ask you questions all day, but I'm
1: afraid we're out of time. So thank you so, so much.
0: Thank you. for coming.
1: Thanks so much for listening today. A lot of what was said resonated with me, and I hope a few things stick with you too. I think Michaela's perspective on feminism in the bedroom is a really interesting one. A woman's choice to be submissive there can be as much a feminist act as the opposite choice. Precisely because it's a choice... And it doesn't have to define the relationship or you in other contexts. To learn more about Michaela, go to MichaelaBohm.com. You can also pre-order her new book, The Wild Woman's Way, and you'll find her in the Goop book that's out now called The Sex Issue, as well as at goop.com slash the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about InGoop Health, check out goop.com slash InGoop Health. There's also a digital pass for sale for anyone who wants to watch all the talks that went down at our last summit. Before we officially wrap for the day, GP is going to answer a question from one of you guys.
0: Uh, Here is a question from at my cookbook obsession. I like you already. Who, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but this person is asking if I have a favorite cookbook. That's a really good question. It's hard to name one favorite cookbook. I think that I really love the River Cafe cookbooks. The River Cafe is a little cafe in London, and it's kind of a world-famous, very rustic Italian food kind of place. And I would say that I, when I first got that book years and years ago, I used that the most. I also think the joy of cooking is just a great standby to have in the kitchen.
1: Have a question for GP? Drop us a line at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. That's it for this special episode of the Goop podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Please rate, review, and share with your friends. To keep up with new episodes, just hit subscribe. And for more info, head over to goop.com the podcast. See you on Thursday.